KTN. Connecting for positive change. Hello and welcome to our AI for Services podcast interviews. My name is Astrid Ayal and I run the AI for Services Innovation Network. AI for Services brings together AI and data high growth entrepreneurs with leading professionals and academics working in the accountancy, insurance, legal and financial services sectors. This initiative is part of the Next Generation Services Challenge program funded by UKRI and delivered by KTN. With this podcast, we want to share with our community the latest innovation projects shaping the future of the professional and financial services sectors and hear from founders who know best on what it takes to transform the sector. And it is my pleasure to interview Gavin Starks. Gavin, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, thank you. Uh, yes, my name is Gavin Starks. I'm the founder of Icebreaker One and uh, have a background in setting up organizations, which uh, this is number, I think, 14 out of uh, over the last 20 years. Uh, more recently, I also helped to create and ran the Open Data Institute and co-chaired the development of the Open Banking Standard. Great. Gavin, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, we haven't actually met and uh, just exchanged emails, but I've heard lots of amazing feedback from people who have had the chance to meet you. So I'm really excited to uh, virtually speak to you today. Um, a bit of uh, background. So UKRI launched a competition in 2019 as part of the Next Generation Services Program for enabling better data access in the high value services sectors and Icebreaker One were successful in the application and are leading a project called Siri. Uh, please, uh, can you tell us a bit more? Certainly. So Icebreaker One is an independent nonprofit and our mission here is to make data work harder to help deliver net zero. And uh, the particular focus we've got is very much uh, in the financial intersection with the environment. So with, uh, within that context, Seri is very much about uh, getting the insurance sector uh, to better understand environment and uh, risk in its uh, modeling uh, to develop what we've called climate ready financial products. And that, are, uh, that framing there is to enable uh, organizations to create financial incentives that help deliver net zero by better understanding uh, the risks and opportunities in that uh, emerging landscape. Right, and I listened to your intervention at uh, London Climate Action Week and understand that you've designed a, a product development process that um, in effect assess the various ideas of the different partners and validates those ideas to take forward and, and progress. So um, how does this process work and what are the advantages of such a process? Sure. So we were very fortunate. Uh, so uh, in um, 2019, we started a conversation with some of the large uh, insurance organizations, people like Lloyd's Register Foundation, Aon, uh, Willis Towers Watson, Brit Insurance. Um, and really, uh, the, the challenge that they were highlighting was that in order to better assess risk and innovation in their uh, businesses, they needed better access to data. Uh, and through this program, 
what we've done is, is created uh, that group as a consortia. We've brought in legal expertise from Bird and Bird and uh, additional expertise from the built environment, from Arup um, and various other partners, uh, including SMEs who are specialists in parametric insurance in agriculture, for example, to really understand what is the actual user need here? What is the market need? Uh, I think there's a, our observation, or one of many observations, is that there's many technology-led projects out there that are trying to do things with data and the environment, but they're not necessarily really anchored around very specific use cases that are relevant to the market today. So the process that we've been through uh, with the SERI program uh, has been to engage with the partners directly. And so that involves continuous, uh, well, it uh, was originally going to be meetings, but obviously with COVID, it's been mm -hmm. lots of webinars uh, and lots of discussion groups, but really trying to workshop, you know, what are the user needs from their point of view? What, what do they see as uh, market relevant from their own commercial perspectives? And what would really help to move the dial towards net zero? And the challenge there is, you know, this, the scale of challenge when we're, we're trying to deliver net zero is there's a lot of things we need to stop doing or a lot of things we need to incentivize different behaviors around. And so as a lever for change, insurance is a really powerful one. If, if you can no longer get insurance for or for insurance for uh, a, a particular activity increases because it creates uh, emissions, um, then you're more likely to invest into other alternatives. So equally, mm -hmm. if the insurance or the financing of a low carbon technology or solution goes down, that will help to attract additional investment. So the process we've been through with the partners is to explore many different ideas. So the, the brief, if you like, to the organizations was, you know, we're not looking really to here to create a small increment from the present. We're either looking to create something that is a, a transformational change, maybe a 10x or 100x change uh, within one of their existing uh, pro, uh, programs or product lines, or to create something completely new. And, and that's involved a lot of idea generation. I think at peak last year, we were generating ideas on a weekly sprint basis where people were coming up with many different ideas and then scoring them and then putting them through our product innovation process to identify candidates uh, that could be taken forward. And so doing that on a, on a weekly iteration is extremely quick and, and not something that um, say large corporates are, are used to, to doing in their day-to-day uh, -day businesses. Mm -hmm. But we'd set a target there of trying to create reasonable candidates uh, by uh, the original uh, deadline for the COP, which was uh, November last year. Mm -hmm. So we kept the deadline and we presented it at London Climate Action Week uh, uh, on some of those results, but it's very much led by industry. And our role there is a catalyst to say, what is the art of the possible here? And what are the blockers? And quite often those blockers are not technology. Uh, they're either contractual or they're, they're even discovering what information exists in the first place. So as large climate-driven uh, events occur with higher frequency around the world, uh, the UK's insurance market here is in a really incredible position because they are an international uh, set of businesses. Um, we, we can help... Um, accelerate that transformation, accelerate that form of innovation, but anchored in the business realities. I think there's mm -hmm. a big observation in the middle here for me of unless this is business relevant, we're not really going to move the needle. 
No, great. And uh, could you perhaps pick a, an example of, of one of the ideas that um, are being developed? Um, selfishly, I'd quite like to hear uh, what Brit Insurance are, are working on, as I, I think I originally introduced them to you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think you know, one of the many uh, examples that have come through the process is an idea of, of a sort of building passports uh, where you could look at the uh, both the energy consumption, the um, built, uh, the as-built infrastructure uh, of a of a building and its local environment, and then work out a different risk profile for that uh, building uh, as uh, as it's presented to the market. So there, there's a lot of different information that could be brought to bear, uh, looking from a uh, an asset perspective, uh, you know, the the as-built uh, design. Uh, and plans, looking at the consumption data in terms of water, uh, in terms of energy, the the waste products from the building, but also the environment in which it is sitting. So things like flood risk, which insurers obviously take into account on, on, in great detail, is often based on a, a quite rapidly um, altering uh, local environment. So you've got a building in a city, knowing the uh, status of all the surrounding assets, for example, has an impact on the resilience and, and um, uh, efficiency of that building itself. So there's a, a range of different parameters. And we really see here that there's a lot of different bits of information when you start lifting the lid on this and, and showing what might be possible. There's plenty of information that people are already getting. So it's not necessarily a systemic change of, of what they're getting, but how they're using the information they already have access to increasing access to information that is difficult to get to and providing new information that they haven't necessarily had access to at scale. Um, and that could include the, the, the risk modeling uh, due to increased uh, weather events due to climate change, um, right the way through to shifts in energy uh, supply to a local area through um, microgeneration and so on. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me that um, you know the benefits go much wider actually than than net zero uh, because it's connected the, the as you say um, you know making the 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 business case relevant to the business needs right and absolutely yeah. and, and I think you know the the broad question here around sustainability which is a very broad reaching word mm -hmm. um, addressing the data flows here. And if you think buildings generate 40% of annual GHG emissions, um, but we've most of them have already been built. So <clears throat> the climate risk data is not necessarily easily available. Uh, there isn't a coherent way of getting information back out of, uh, of those assets and their environments uh, in which they're placed as a, uh, in any sort of systemic way. There's lots of different projects looking at uh, data flows from the built environment but right now, it's not necessarily structured in a way that's useful mm. uh, to financial asset owners or property managers or to the financial markets, to corporates or to policymakers. So here, there's uh, looking at the physical risk and how that might interface with other uh, policy instruments. So, so um, things like there's a, a new uh, reporting standard called TCFD, which is uh, looking at climate risk reporting to financial institutions. Now, how is that going to impact uh, the uh, capital allocation flows into the into built assets? How would you assess uh, the financial risk around that from a, 
uh, if you're an asset manager, um, when you need to bring in a whole range of asset information from um, the investors, from the insurers, from the uh, risk modelers, right the way through to fire services or water suppliers or regulators. There's a whole range of assets, uh, information there that, that need to flow uh, to, to really give um, a deep insight into the, the potential risks. Mm. So I just you know, wanted to go back to the beginnings of your journey and you mentioned um, your uh, involvement with the Open Data Institute and I can see there from what you're telling me um, that, uh, you know, your, your, your big interest uh, in, in that uh, sector, but what motivated you to start Icebreaker One? Sure, so the Open Data Institute was, as in the name, very focused on open data. Mm-hmm. And open data is defined as data that anyone can use for any purpose for free. And so there's a huge role for open data in society, particularly the interface between uh, public and private sector public goods. And um, the work of the Open Data Institute is really critical to taking that forward. I think when we started looking at um, and learning from the development of the open banking standards, where you're looking at things that are never going to be open data and shouldn't be, which would be individual company bank statements or personal bank statements and so on. That's very much not open data and never will be. Uh, The mechanism, though, that was created there and we helped to lead was the creation of what I would call a shared data infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that enables the sharing of data between different organizations with the right security in place, with the right policy frameworks in place with the right legal and liability frameworks in place, right the way through to user experience, in fact, in in that case. And that's now within a a regulated environment. I think what we see here is, um, and we're just uh, embarking on another program called Open Energy, uh, which is uh, a shared data infrastructure for the energy sector, uh, which is funded again through uh, the SBRI uh, component Mm -hmm. of UKRI schemes, is that's very much looking at how can we enable data sharing across the whole of the energy sector. Uh, And there's over 8,000 organizations operating in that sector, all of which need to both be providers of of data into the system and users of data from that system. And um, how we can enable that many-to-many sharing is a really tough problem. And it requires a, a much more um, comprehensive approach to how do we deal with uh, contractual issues, legal issues, uh, technology issues, policy issues, and so on. And uh, so it's it's um, a tougher problem in some ways than the open data question. But the value of getting this right, I think, for um, both the um, private sector, the public sector, and society is is vast. Yes, yes, absolutely. And what would you say your your biggest achievement has been um, since starting um, your icebreaker one? Well, I think the um, catalytic nature of of UK funding here has meant that we've really helped people understand that this isn't just a a nice idea, maybe, that's coming from a think tank. We're very very focused on implementation and operational execution of these things. I think what we've demonstrated through uh, the SERI program, looking at building a a standard for environment risk and insurance, and through the open energy program, they're all based on 
user needs. They're all based on use cases that are used to kick the tires of, is this really a thing or is it just a nice idea? So I think the winning the uh, three phases of, of the Open Energy Programme uh, and our continued engagement with uh, our commercial partners is um, a really big signal that it's not just a, a question that people are interested in uh, sustainability that actually, you know, to quote one multinational I was speaking to just last week, is this is now a question of business survival. Data sharing is central to our strategy and we're behind. So how can a sector or an individual organization get ahead with its uh, data sharing and data infrastructure approach, its data strategy? Mm-hmm. Well, we're working on the business rationale here to say we can enable federated data sharing at scale. We can bring together different parts of the value chain to really understand what the business needs are and how to generate value out of this. And whether that value is reducing risk or increasing efficiency or helping to create new products and services, all these things become possible if you've got data sharing at scale. So I think the the validation really we've had from the market over the last year, and last year we set off with a target to maybe raise about a million uh, in, in our first year. We hit over 4 million in our first year of trading, working with our partners of, of wow. direct income to, uh, to us as a nonprofit. So we're looking to create many multiples of that value back out into the ecosystem. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's right, and uh, also there is a you know an increasing focus on sustainability, and as you say, it's such a a, a big uh, topic. It's a big. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, you know one, one again anecdote is uh, someone from the financial sector mentioned to me again this last few weeks that everybody seems to be adding the word green to their business cards right now, uh, and as I say, we're really focused on that. How do you operationalize that? How do you bring together? industry specialists, you know, last year we brought up together over 130 different specialists from across the country to look at specific industry focusing, uh, focused use cases um, and built that, uh, you know, built, the, built that evidence base to say, like, this is a real impressing need that could unlock a huge amount of innovation for the UK. Well, KTN has also added green in the uh, five-year strategy, and we now have a, a strong focus on on driving net zero innovation. And I was wondering, what advice would you give a business looking to achieve net zero? Well, I think the, the challenge with all of these things is making it demonstrable. How do you prove that what you're investing in is actually going to make a difference? Uh, and you know, we, we see huge uh, investments around the world uh, to uh, create new innovation, to, to drive towards low carbon technologies. And, and really, this is, this is a, um, uh, not just a, an environmental challenge, it's an economic challenge. Mm-hmm. The, the future of our energy uh, supply and demand will have to be net zero, uh, but it's not just energy, it's across the whole of the industrial supply chain. So whether it's chemicals, uh, whether it's agriculture and so on, it's it's really understanding how can we de-risk the um, low carbon technology solutions so that they become more attractive to investors, are cheaper to insure, are easier to invest in and easier to manage. So the question there quite often we'll start a conversation with people in the financial sector 
and they'll be talking about you know what what's their you know what are the returns going to be and so on. Now, eventually, you get to the point where they say, well, we need the data, and at that point, we say, well, which data, when, for what purpose, what does it prove, how does it demonstrate, and how does it help move the needle on your capital allocation plans today? Uh, because you can start to mandate that. So if if I was in a position of acquiring a service or investing in something, I'd be asking questions about what data can I mandate. Uh, as to help demonstrate back to me that our investments are uh, credible uh, so that I can tell my investors or my pension fund or whoever it is that we have a, a credibly green uh, strategy here. And, and as a supplier of low carbon technologies and solutions, I'd be producing as much evidence as I, as I could in, in a way that can help the market understand what we've got uh, and uh, how to deploy it at scale. Mm. And uh, I mean, you, you, you didn't um, mention um, green finance, um, and I think, as you say, there's sort of it, it's become a bit of a of a buzzword that people don't really know what it means. How how would you describe green finance? And is there a, a common myth that you'd like to debunk on that? <laughs> I don't think there's a common myth. I think it's more that we, we've been, um, you know, everyone is moving forward here with positive intent. So what we're trying to achieve here is opera, operationalize, if you like, the vision of a demonstrably net zero future. So net zero is where, mm-hmm. where the greenhouse gas emissions are reduced to zero in total. Now, that's going to involve a whole range of different types of solutions. First of all, we have to baseline uh, the things that we're doing across transport, energy, water, agriculture, the built world, and so on, as well as removing emissions with schemes that offset an equivalent amount of, uh, of greenhouse gases, whether that's tree planting or carbon capture and storage. There's a huge connected uh, sort of ecosystem here of, of, of uh, how to, of information that needs to be brought together. But ultimately we need to deliver net zero. And that means stopping emissions in the first place or balancing out all uh, current and prior emissions so that they're net zero. Uh, and companies like, um, Microsoft, who've now committed to retroactively uh, offsetting all of their previous emissions, these are really significant uh, initiatives. Uh, So we also need to be in a position where we can address the consequences of climate change, and that means making things more resilient to impacts, so better buildings, better crop engineering, uh, through to uh, enabling changes in behaviours in a balanced way. So we need to become more efficient. Uh, We need to manage our consumption uh, differently, and like you say, you said at the beginning, um, addressing these challenges will have lots of impacts across uh, the world, not just climate, but our um, uh, bio. Uh, sorry, uh, the uh, things like the, the, the biodiversity emergencies mm-hmm. and, and linked uh, uh, environmental challenges that we face. Yes, yes, of course. Um, well, th- thank you, Gavin. It's been a, a real pleasure um, meeting you virtually and, and hearing more about your project. Um, I mentioned your website and uh, the link to the uh, London Climate Action Week uh, webinar, but uh, where, where can, can our listeners connect you online? Sure. If you uh, just go to the website, icebreaker1.org, you can also follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn at icebreaker one Uh, And you can follow me on uh, either of those platforms uh, as well. But the links are all uh, on our on our website. 
Yeah, and I'll also uh, post them on our uh, page as well. Um, and one one last question. Um, at KTN, our purpose is to create diverse connections to drive positive change. And so I wanted to ask you, who who is the one person you would love to meet before you die and why? Well, I think with the particular mission we're on, um, I'd love to meet with James Hansen, who's the, the head scientist at, at NASA, who led a lot of the the climate science. Um, and I'd, I'd love to ask him uh, how, with the benefit of hindsight, how would he navigate the climate agenda? Because uh, right. it's uh, we're, we're by no means through on the other side of this. So there's a, a lot to be learned. Well, I'd ask, I will ask our, our space team at KTN if they can help you with that. At KTN, our purpose is to create diverse connections to drive positive change. Thank you for joining me. And to our listeners, uh, check our webpage, AIforservices.org. Share this recording with your colleagues, your friends, and I see you next time. KTN, connecting for positive change.